Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Next to the right, Whitlow fake to him. Whitlow rolling right on a keeper up across the 15, cuts left to the 20, on the roof at the 30, headed to the near sideline. One man to beat, makes the move at midfield, coming to the near side at the 30. He's at the 20. He's at the 10. Five touchdown, Kentucky. That's how we welcome everybody into another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Alongside Aaron Gershon for the Cats Paws from UK QB, Jalen Whitlow. My name is Vinny Hardy. Coming to y'all courtesy of the Believe Podcast Network. You can get this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can watch us live right now on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and you can also get rewarded for watching this because we partnered up with the Autograph app. We'll tell you all that right off the jump. Uh, Michelle Morton, Jalen, she bought your book, uh, listening to us a couple weeks ago. I'll call her out because I think this is just for her. She listens to more podcasts <laughs> and content than anybody. Like, you know, UK stuff, she listens to everything. Uh, she'll re-listen to episodes of the podcast. So, look, Michelle, you can – Listen to this podcast in the Autograph app and get rewarded for doing so. Uh, Autograph uh, was co-founded by Tom Brady and redefined the fan experience by letting users earn points for the acts of fandom they take every day, like listening to this show, which we appreciate. Autograph fandom app gives you access to all your favorite Kentucky content in one place and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and more. You're already listening to our show, but now you can earn points and get rewarded for it. Go to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Fandom Rewarded and download it for free using today's referral code Believe Kentucky B L E A V Kentucky. The link and the code will also be in the podcast description when we put it up on all the podcast platforms. So check out the Autograph app. If you follow us on Twitter, you've seen us tweeting about it and put it on our social media as well. Uh, AG man, you back from Nashville? It was a uh, a get right game. Glad to see Vandy on the schedule when they were there, and now you just gotta gotta stay right, right? Yeah, thank God for that. Right, Vandy is brutal this year, and you feel bad for for them on any other night. But Kentucky really just needed a <laughs> night to to feel good about and uh, get some things going, and and they did that. And you know, this whole stretch, the offenses stayed what it is, man, which is elite. They make shots. Their their tempo is awesome. They're exciting and. You know, last night was a culmination of all that. I mean, 15 for 26 from three, 12 dunks, and had guys. I think the more important thing was, you know, Justin Edwards had his best game of the season. Got to have some good stuff with Jordan Burks, uh, see what he can do a little bit. Uh, Isovich, Big Z, did some good things. Also fouled out really quick. It was a, it was, he's just electric, man. He's so he much He does fun. everything quick. He does everything quick. I want him on the court more selfishly and – um, but nah, it was a it was a good win all around. You know, there's not much to write home about other than uh, the offense was great. They had def- different guys contributing, but def- and defensively, you know, they ran into the right team because I'll tell you what, there were a lot of open shots for Vandy to take, and they could not hit them because they're not a good basketball team. Uh, it's crazy that not everyone is just world beaters against Kentucky teams. Actually, do shoot their average, but um, nah, it was a. Uh, it was a it was they needed to get right night. I mean, obviously the two losses that were you know the Florida game was just heartbreaking and and preventable. Man, I mean we didn't get to talk about it, but not fouling up three um, is just ridiculous. I'll never understand that. Not even calling a timeout with three seconds left to draw something up. Uh, missed opportunities there, and then just getting you know not staying attached to the three shooter who was killing you all game. That was frustrating as all hell. And then Tennessee. They did exactly what I think we talked about Tuesday as being the key to winning that game, which is they did a really good job on Dalton Connect. Justin Edwards, awesome job. Aduthiero did an awesome job on him. Held him to, I think, his lowest total, at least that in the last six games of that time, maybe even of all of SEC play. And they they do with all that, but then they let Josiah Jordan-James, Kai Ziegler, Santiago Scovescovi go off. Uh, especially, uh, you know, the first two guys there, Ziegler and Jordan-James, had career highs or matched them with 26 so you know two really really frustrating preventable losses back to back but they needed to get right game and they got it and like you said now the key is to sustain and that's not going to be easy i mean look these next three games 
you know, you would think being at home helps the next two games. I don't, does it help anymore? They're, they're not winning games at home. If they lose this game on Saturday, they'll have lost three games at home in a row for the first time in program history. I mean, that, that that's what they're staring in the face right now. So, you know, the pressure is on and those kids know it. So we'll see what they can do against Gonzaga, who I see is beating the crap out of Portland, but it's Portland. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens Saturday. But that's, a you know, obviously it doesn't help them in the SEC, uh, but it would be huge to go out there and get a win Saturday um, against the Gonzaga team. That for now would be a quad one win. Right. And Gonzaga could use – I mean, that would, this would bump their resume if they were – They don't have a quad one yet. Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're going to come in and, and try their best to get it. I'm with you on all the stuff about, you know, Offensively, you know, with six losses and five of them you scored over eighty, and three, three over of 90. them you scored over ninety. So it's just, and you heard, you know, emphasis on defense the rest of the way. You, you got to tighten it up. Has to be. It's, I mean, because you know you waste Dillingham's thirty-five point night the other day. Didn't even lead. I mean, it was never it trailed. It one. was eight nothing as soon as it started, and I mean, you know. 16-5, yeah. And Connect didn't have to do anything because everybody else was going out. James and Viscovi, those, they hadn't hooped and had a game worth anything in a while. No, and everyone's going to, you know, and Cal does it too. He's guilty of it, obviously. Oh, they shoot out of our minds against us in the next game. They go for 7. You leave them wide open, yeah, they're going to go off. Like, these are these are high-level college basketball players, yeah. man. And and all three of those guys, Viscovi and Jordan James, are fifth-year seniors. They're going to take advantage of open looks. Ziegler's a junior who's played a ton of ball. He's going to take advantage of open looks. And you just got to – you got to stay attached. I mean, it's just unacceptable, the three-point defense. And I get – look, I get they're going to give up more points than your average team because of how they play and how fast they play. So, mm-hmm. like, giving up 77 to Vanderbilt, I'm okay with that. I understand Vanderbilt's average is, like, 64. But, you know, you you give them more possessions, they're going to score. They Vanderbilt took uh, 62 shots. They made 22. Like, that, you could live with that. But still, they made 11 threes. <laughs> I mean, the, the Calipari record for threes in the game is 17. They, they hit 11. Like, that's not <laughs> too far off that. So, you know, they got to really tighten up the three-point defense. Um, they really got to – you know, I thought they did a better job on the on the inbounds passes yesterday. They played some zone on those, which is what everyone does. Um, so, you know, did some better things defensively, but I want to see it against the quality offense. And the good news is I believe – um, the next three teams they play, uh, being Gonzaga, Ole Miss, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, Auburn, are all either in like the top fifteen or top twenty uh, in offensive of offensive efficiency. Auburn is destroying Alabama right now too. Ninety-one. That, that's a hard place. Four minutes to go. That might be the hardest place to play in the SEC right now. You know, not taking anything away from Tennessee, Arkansas, even Kentucky on a big night. Um, Auburn, that place is it's not that big, but it's sold out, it's loud. And you know, Alabama just beat them in Tuscaloosa. What two, I think while we were recording this exactly two weeks ago today, uh, last time I was here doing one at iHeart. So, um, you know, good for Auburn, and that's gonna be that's gonna be a hell of a challenge Kentucky has when they go, um, when they go out there. But yeah, uh, again, they play. Let's see. You got Auburn is number 13 in the country in offensive efficiency. I assume that'll go up after tonight. Uh, Gonzaga is number 28. And then Ole Miss, uh, I'm going to find them. They are 30th. So, yeah, three Mm. top 30 efficient offenses back to back to back here coming up. And uh, you got to get things tightened up, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, they put out all the stops. They got Charles Barkley in the house on the broadcast. I mean, he's stopped by and got on the – Set with Jimmy Dykes and all. He'll them. be there again in, uh, next Saturday. You can yeah. put it in the bank. <laughs> Jalen, man, like when you know Kentucky, you know, struggling against you know Florida and Tennessee and the games you probably you, you should have won. You get a team that you're better than in Vanderbilt. You beat them down. You coach, no doubt. You you know your team. You know your personnel. You talked about coaching against Travis Hunter. You you knew that your team was outmatched that night. You talked about how he he kind of dominated and there wasn't nothing y'all could do with him. As a coach, you know what you have. You know what they have. Say you're struggling. You have a get-right game, and you I mean, you wear a team out on a Friday night. The offense is clicking. You, you know, y'all win 53 to 10 or whatever. 
going forward, how do you maintain that when you know the competition is going to get better again? You're not going to be playing at Vanderbilt for Georgia high school students in, in football every night. How do you maintain it and try to stay right when you know you're playing tough competition? Yeah, you know, I'm always, you know, as a coach, just worried about us. You know, you know, I always feel like I know what we have and I know what our capabilities and potential could be. Um, so it's our expectation to play up to that every week, no matter who we play, Travis Hunter or who else. Uh, so that's that's how most good coaches see it. Uh, that's how I was trained to see it. Don't, you know, don't be able to or uh, don't have the ability to peak and valley with the competition that you're playing. You have to play up to a standard. As we know, Kentucky basketball is a blue blood. Um, I mean, there's a standard there, you know, and the reality is uh, they are the most exciting on offense that we've seen since I don't know when. However, but we know that there's going to be a lot of disappointed people because if they don't improve on defense, they're not going anywhere. Um, so I think Calipari and, and, and those, you know, not many vendors on the team at all, but, you know, those young men on the team got to be able to say, hey, let's kind of take a step back and look at this thing from a thousand foot view. What's our issue? Why are we dominant and super athletic and fast on offense, but we can't stay in front of people. We can't uh, latch on to people on defense. Mm -hmm. That's just a mentality. That's a mindset. Uh, so, you know, yeah, like I said, man, you know, you, you, we know who we are. We know what we have. We know the capabilities. We know our potential. Uh, we know our ceiling and our job is to play to that ceiling every single day uh, because that's our expectation. No matter if we're playing LeBron James or Josiah James, uh, you know, it, 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 the, the, the standard is the standard every time we go out. So, um, you know, there's no excuses to that. You know, like I said, there's no excuses. It don't matter who you're playing. Yes, the better teams that you play, yes, a team like Tennessee is going to hit some shots, right? Just make sure you contest them. A team like you know, you play Auburn, they're going to hit some shots. They're going to they're gonna make some plays. Gonzaga's going to make some plays. It's just like in football, when you play Louisville in a rivalry game or you play Tennessee, Tennessee may hit you for that big bomb down the field one time, right? But the standard is still going to stay the standard. How are you going to bounce back from that? And our job is to not allow that to happen again. Uh, so you can live with teams beating you and making contested plays, but you cannot leave shooters open. You know, so that that's the thing that they got to find out, you know, kind of what that is. You know, the standard is the standard, man. You're at Kentucky, you're expected to play great basketball, offense and defense. So uh, I'm sure Calipari wouldn't want to have it any other way. You wouldn't want to coach at a program who don't have expectations. Uh, so you're at a program with expectations. So, you know, how do you get your players to not really view outsiders' expectations, but view the standard in what you have in the building, right? And that expectation is higher than anybody else's. So get your team, find a way to get your team to play to that expectation, that standard, uh, every time they walk on the court. Uh, win, lose, or draw, you know, it's visible when you see that, right? Uh, what, what was, it was a few years ago. Maybe it was the final four loss Kentucky had, and what year was that? 14? Wisconsin? Yeah. 15. It was, yeah. 15. it was visible that, okay, Wisconsin just, they had a good team. They have great players. They are very well coached. They beat us that night. But you know that Kentucky had their best foot forward, right? Playing tight defense, you know, hitting shots when they needed to hit them, playing great basketball, being extremely clutch. But Wisconsin was just better that night. It is what it is. But you can't live with the opposite. You know, you can't live with when you have the talent and you can play to that standard. But it's not that they're hitting shots. It's that they're hitting shots and there's nobody – within five feet of them. That's the issue. So, uh, you know, they got to they gotta figure that out, and I'm sure they will. I mean, there's enough talent on that team. They got enough good coaches on that sideline to uh, to figure it out. So, but, you know, we say that. We say that there's potential, but time is ticking at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, you mentioned Justin Edwards, uh, Aaron, and it was uh, – if you, you've seen him all year, the – the, the, the confidence is shaky. The in his face, it almost just yeah. written on his face. I know I'm better than this. I'm 
I know I was a five-star coming out of high school for a reason. It's not clicking. Some of that was you know, kind of relief last night to actually to make some plays, to hit some shots, to, you know, the emphatic dunk at the end, going to the basket, you know, taking it to the rack. You know, he found a flow maybe a little bit, and, and hopefully he can kind of build on that just for his own sake. Yeah, and I think he really has two games to build on. I I, I think he's done a great job on Dalton Connect defensively. Yeah. I mean, was it perfect? No, Connect beat him a couple times, but Connect is arguably the best player in the SEC, so you can live with that. Um, but he he was awesome, man, especially in that second half because he wasn't great in the first half, but he was able to put that behind him. And I mean, fourteen points. He had the windmill dunk, so there was no lack of confidence there. I mean, this was a guy who against Arkansas, what two weeks ago, uh, had a full breakaway layup. The defense wasn't even running back with him, and he traveled. And yeah. you know that's all mental. Mm-hmm. And you know, in this game, he has the confidence to go up and windmill that thing. So uh, really impressive. I mean, if they could just unlock half of what they expected him to be. Uh, I would be huge for this team. So I was, yeah, I was absolutely uh, really happy for him. And it does feel like he's finally starting to turn that corner and, you know, with the talent he has and, you know, obviously the, the pedigree coming in as a top prospect, the number one guy in this number one class, um, you know, it's, it's good to finally see some things fall his way and some confidence being built there. And again, uh, Jordan Burks, that was awesome for him last night too. And uh, we'll see how that, uh, man, Cal's got decisions to make with this rotation. Man, it is <laughs> it's a good it's a good problem to have because you have you have a lot of good basketball players, but the continuity is really really important to gain. And look, I don't know when they're going to get their guys back. I think there's a chance DJ Wagner is ahead of Trey Mitchell from what I've heard a little bit. Uh, Trey is really hurting right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he shut down a week or two. Um, so that's going to, you know, that's going to give Jordan Burks a chance to play a little bit. I would think, I think it's going to give, uh, Justin Edwards more of a chance. I mean, what, he only still played 20 minutes last night. So maybe he goes up to 23, 25 again. Um, you know, it do, uh, maybe he'll play a little more. So, you know, it'll lead to some opportunities, but at some point you want to gain some continuity. And, uh, once he finally, if he finally gets 11 guys, uh, I don't know how he's going to make it work, but, um, Jordan Burks has entered the conversation for sure. And Justin, Justin has as well, because Justin, it seemed like they were, maybe it really was the injury. I don't know, but it did feel like for a couple games there that they were going to start phasing him out a little bit just because the production wasn't there. But the way he played last night, man, you can't take him off the floor. And, you know, make me play you, Cal says that all the time. And what did he say last night if, I don't know if, you don't, a, if you don't, don't dive at a ball, defense, I'm taking yeah. you out. And then and he said, I don't care who you are, we're gonna something to that effect. I don't know if he's talking about playing defense or, or something like that. But the fact that you know 70% according to him of the focus is gonna be on defense the rest of the way. And if that gets you eight to ten percent better in the game, that's all they need with the way that he can score the ball. Right. That, that they really just need to get 10 to 15 percent better. I truly believe that. Again, they're going to give up points because they they score quickly, right? They want to score in the first five to seven seconds of the shot clock. Where you know, so again, what did Vanderbilt have last night? 62 shots. They're going to score. You would hope they'll score 77, <laughs> right? Um, or else they're really really bad, which they're 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 really bad. But whatever. So yeah, no, they just, it it comes down to that though, man, like you said, and they're going to, you know, I I like the quote that Cal had that 70% of their focus the rest of the year is going to be on defense. He knows, he knows how good this offense is. Nothing's going to slow it down. I mean, again, Vandy's not a good team. They definitely gave up. They, they didn't, (laughs) the looks were there for Kentucky where they might not be there against a team like we saw against South Carolina, but Mm They're going to get theirs on offense. I mean, they're what all year they've only not scored 80 in three games Arkansas, South Carolina, and uh, UNCW. So, you know, you know, the offense is going to be there pretty much every night. If you could just get a little bit more on defense, you're going to win these games. I mean, that game against Tennessee, <laughs> if you could cut one of the two, Ziegler, Josiah James, and half, you win that game. And then the Florida game, if you just stay attached to Walter Clayton for one more possession, you win that game. So, you know, 
they're not far off. That's why, you know, did I, I have I lost some confidence in this team reaching the final four? Yeah, because I think their defense is a real issue, and I'm not sure it's ever going to get to the point where they're going to be able to win five to six games in a row in March. But I'm not giving up on this team until they're out just because you know they can score 100 any given night and score 90 every given night. The problem is they're still losing when they give up 90 sometimes yeah. or when they score 90. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's – just yeah, just you can't you can't do that. You just you know, and he knows that they know it, but you know that's why they gotta you know tweak it and tighten it up, and you know they'll be in you know 10, 15 percent better. Four or five stops, that's ten points, eight ten points, and that's you know. Yeah, I mean, what are they? What that would that would really again with this offense that would really be all you need. I, I mm-hmm. just. And you're going to, you know, you're going to have games where it's going to be over that and it's going to frustrate the heck out of you. Like, do we really think they're holding Alabama to like 90 <laughs> when they play that offense in a couple of weeks? Um, but yeah, no, they're not. It's just got, it's, it's just got to get marginally better and they'll give themselves a chance to win almost every game. Absolutely. Um, have to switch it to football too. But first, man, Aaron, we got, we have, you uh, you know, you was taking it the other day because you just flipped all the media off, uh, at the <laughs> oh my god, at the ceremony, man. I was like, <laughs> bend the griff off. You just flipped. I was like, the picture just caught you at the right time. Yeah, that was funny, <laughs> man. I was, I was that that, that was actually hilarious. That was really funny, <laughs> but you know, I I like as as chances would have it, I wrote I bumped into Brock at a local establishment over the weekend, so I let him know I was not flipping him off. So. <laughs> You know we're cool there, but no, that was that was pretty damn funny. Yeah, it was, and he let us know he wasn't going anywhere, even though the yeah coordinator is. So yeah, so far so good on that front, and you know we'll get into it in a second here. But this is gonna be <laughs> this is gonna be a big spring ball, and I'm not saying like Brock Vandergrift's going anywhere. I think he's committed. Mm-hmm. I think guys like I think all the new transfers are pretty much set in stone. But man, like. Now that everyone can leave at any given time, they they really got to have a good spring. And whoever they bring to, and we'll go over some names, I'm sure. But whoever they bring in as the next offensive coordinator, they got to make some people happy because uh, you know if it goes poorly, uh, these guys can up up go up and leave. And uh, you know, luckily they didn't have that mass exodus when Scangarello was here, so he did a good enough job in the spring to build some confidence in guys. And uh, whoever the next guy is is going to have to do that and better. I'm trying to play around with some video. I'm I'm not good, but maybe if we get to the point, you know, Jalen, you watch all this film. You got players you want to have film on. Maybe we can share the film on here or something. But what was what was Liam's exact quote? Aaron, he's he's wanted to put roots down here in Lexington. Yeah, he said, yeah, putting roots down. You know, he said he'd never. I'll I'll pull it up here in a second. Um, it's a frustrating situation, man. And I think we've talked about it on here before. I've always gotten the sense that Liam has wanted to be an NFL guy. I just think, and you kind of saw at the end of the year and Jalen, I know you listened to those press conferences too, man, where he was talking about the lack of leadership and needing to find leadership and the lack of accountability. And it just felt like he missed being around pros. Like, and look, look at Jeff Halfley at Boston college. Dude's the head coach of a power five team. They've been to a bowl, what, two or three times in his tenure. The guy leaves, takes a half disc, like half of his salary to go to be the defensive coordinator of the Packers. Like guys are, guys want out of college football. They don't want to be GMs. They want to be coaches. So I always kind of felt that was, that was going to hurt Kentucky at some point, but you know, it is a tough look when you have quotes um, like you were pointing out there, Vinny um, about, you know, not wanting to leave. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Let's pull this up real quick. Here we go. We truly did not want to leave Lexington and the opportunity to come back and be around these players, uh, have an impact on young people's lives because ultimately the decision to come back and do this at a high level can be more thankful. So you had that one. And then the roots quote you were talking about, I just want to go somewhere, make a real impact, plant some roots, be for a little bit, be somewhere for a few years, at least that you feel really good about. So he went against everything he said. He said the Bucks' job was a no-brainer. Look, it's frustrating. I can see why fans are annoyed with him, and you know he's done it twice now. So you know at this point, you know that 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 it's been burnt. The bridge yeah. is burnt. There, this is never going to be a marriage again. But 
I do understand it for Liam, man. The NFL is a more desirable coaching position right now with all the change in college football. I'm not going to kill kill Liam for that. When it, We can debate the Mark Stoops stuff in a second maybe. If he has a lot to do with it, Jalen would have really good insight on just how involved he is with the offense. But I'm not going to kill Mark Stoops for it either because I, I just am – I am very confident he just wanted to be in the NFL. I don't think it's anything. Sometimes it's a lot more simple than the <coughs> crowd and the social media crowd wants to make it out to be. I think this was a guy who wanted to get back to the NFL. The Bucks are coming off a playoff route, a playoff win. They have a Hall of Fame receiver. They have a borderline Hall of Fame receiver. They have a quarterback that Lamb knows. It made too much sense. And I think he would have gone to Chicago too, but Tampa made even more sense. So I'm just going to be silly. I'm just throwing a little shade. I understand everything y'all said. I'm just glad I figured out how to get something up here. But when he said plant roots, this must yeah. have been the type of roots he was planting. So we just <laughs> you know. so I'm just saying, I'm, look, man. Oh, you're right. It, no, that frustrating <laughs> is all hell, man. It really he, is. He tumbleweeded on down to Tampa. That's all I'm saying. And did but, you did you watch his press conference yesterday? He said he was recruiting, or I'm sorry, watching Bucks tape on a recruiting trip. <laughs> um, I'm, sure, I'm sure Mark Stoops, uh, Vince Mero, and Co. loved to hear that one. Oh boy, yeah, he, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, <laughs> he like you said, I, you can tell. I mean, he's an NFL guy. I think the the straw that broke the camel's back was when. He was instructed to make sure the offense is moving faster. You remember towards the end of the season, the bowl season, you know, he had those press conferences and they were like, yeah, we need to go more to a spread type yeah, uh, and play with more tempo, more college style-ish, you know, type of offense. And I think he doesn't want to do that. And I can tell that he didn't want to do that when he said it. Um, and I don't blame him. I mean, he feel like he's had success doing his thing. And he wants to do his thing. However, uh, sometimes you got to change and adapt. Uh, To be honest with you, you know, a lot of players nowadays, just think about the lifestyle that they live. Now, I mean, you know, you're watching three and four second videos everywhere. Tension span is a lot shorter. Nobody wants a 12 word play call. You know, no 18, 19, 20 year old young man wants a 12 word play call. And we're snapping the ball with two seconds left on the play clock. Every time we every time we go out, um, you know, that is boring. It is extremely boring. Um, nobody wants to see that. And, you know, if Stoops tell you that that needs to change, then it has gotten to a point to where it's bad um, because he is a yeah. conservative type of guy when it comes to offensive football. It is what it is. Everybody knows that. That's not a shot. That's just the truth. Um, however, I do believe that Liam always wanted to be an NFL offensive coordinator, maybe a head coach sometime. Uh, and I also think that, um, you know, that when we talked about kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, and you have to you have to consider, and I even see ex-Kentucky players saying this on social media, you have to consider the fact that maybe these coordinators are getting in there and they're not having as much creative control as they, as they would want to have uh, over the offense or much control on game day, right, calling the plays that they want to call. So um, that's a problem because, you know, whoever you hire is going to want that freedom. You know, especially guys that you want to hire somebody who's good, you know, they feel like they they have a good thing going. They're going to want freedom to do their thing. So, um, you know, is that what's really going on? You know, if I had to guess, yes, there's a little bit of that going on. Um, Matter of fact, we know it is. And there, there is to a degree everywhere of some of that going on because at, yeah. ultimately the head coach's name is on the dotted line. However, uh, you have to, I think to create a good culture, you got to be able to allow your coaches to coach and really be free uh, and do their thing. Now, obviously you have your guidelines that you set when you hire them or where you have meetings, hey, this is what we want to do. This is what we don't want to do. But you got to let guys fly. Man, you got to let them do it. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. You know, I, I again, you know, that I think the Liam thing leaving, and we talked about this for multiple Wednesdays in a row. You know, we said, hey, don't yeah. be surprised when you yeah. wake up, you check your phone, and he's taking a job. And then, mm-hmm. 
We yeah. saw yeah. it coming. You can see it from a mile away. Oh, yeah. I, was, as, yeah, I mean, he wanted to get out of there. And I, you As know, soon as that Bears interview came up, I knew it was it was. Yeah. And, and the fact, the fact, what what was really telling was he was willing to go to Ohio State. That, if if that was true, that was really kind of telling to me. Now, however, we know Ohio State is a blue blood. That's like a guy leaving. Yeah. Uh, that's like a guy leaving. You know, you know, whatever Texas A and M in basketball or Georgia, yes. and wanted to come coach at Kentucky. Kentucky's a blue blood. You should want to come coach at Kentucky. You know, guys leave. That's why Wolford left Kentucky and went and coached at Alabama. You know, it's a that's a step up. Let's call a spade a spade. However, uh, you know, you don't want to see a, a, your coordinator at Kentucky leave to go take another college job. If you no. leave, you better be leaving to go take an NFL job. So he left and took an NFL job. So you know, that that's that's just the reality, man. Like I said. I think a lot of pressure is on the program now to hire a guy that's going to be able to stay for years to come. You need a guy that's going to be planted there for three or four, maybe five years mm-hmm. for the health of your program. We all know the lifeline of a program is the young men and young women um, that participate in it. So right. you have to do that for the future of Kentucky football. Uh, whether Stoops is there or not, there has to be some type of um, foundation and some type of consistency on the officer side of the ball. And everybody knows that. Stoops know that. Uh, Barnhart know that. Everybody in that building knows that. You know, the, the freshmen who aren't even there yet, they know that uh, because they'll be gone to, at this time next year if it's not there either. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got to get that done. Uh, you got to make a good hire. Somebody like Brendan Marion, we talked about pre show. Who I think will be a good hire, but again, he's a little bit too much on the edge, probably for Stoops. Uh, you know, with his offense and whatnot, he's a lot more collegey, quote unquote. Uh, you know, he's definitely not really much pro style, quote unquote. However, he, you know, there's some concepts in there that's pro style, and I keep quoting because, you know, this thing is starting to get mixed up now. I mean, college, what, what is pro style now? Uh, so, uh, you know, so that that that's what I feel, man. You know, make a make a splash hire. Maybe a young guy who can recruit, who can bring some splash recruits, uh, who can who can hook you in that, you know, that four or five star receiver quarterback that Kentucky needs to continue to be more consistent with getting. Um, and, and that'll kind of take the program to the next level. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. You know, because we kind of banked on the fact that Cohen was not going to be there. We all knew that. Uh, now. What's the next step? You know, where are we going from here? Maybe it's recency bias, but I just put out a little poll on our Twitter account. Y'all follow us at Believe in Kentucky on Twitter. Just to, you know, stir the pot. I don't do this kind of stuff much, but I I said, whose tenure, whose UK tenure disappointed you the most? And I put Liam Cohen or Shaden Sharp. And six, huh. 62% we're voting for Liam Cohen and he yeah. at least, he at least performed. He at least came and did the job for you. Shane Sharp never played a drop, but yeah. maybe it's because it's the most recent thing on your mind, but more people were upset about Liam than they were the Shane Sharp thing. That's recency bias. That's recency Because <laughs> we remember how, oh how mad God. everybody was about Shane Sharp when that was, when that was going, but yeah, you know, Shaden was just here a year ago. It's not like he's been gone 10 years. So I thought, that's, that's an interesting comparison. Liam, who at least came in two different stints, but said he was going to stay and didn't, and then uh, compared to a kid who never played at all. But, you know, yeah. that's, that's a little sample size. I was just throwing that out there. But Yeah, yeah and, it, and also let's, let's, let's kind of state the fact that, you know, ultimately we, we all know because he says it. I mean, he said it, he, he has an infant child. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam That's Cohen true. does, yeah. and to, quite frankly, college football is chaotic and it's pandemonial. Um, NFL is a little less chaotic, even though it can be chaotic. But you don't have to, you know, beg your team to stay all the time. You don't have to beg, you know, 18, 17, 16 year old young man to come sign with your school. Uh, you can just coach a roster that you have and let scouts and GM and head coach kind of deal with what's to come. Uh, so you know, it's back to just coaching football. It's back to being able to run whatever pro style he can have 
40 word plays if you want. Um, you know, it, it don't matter. You know, he could huddle until the thing says zero. Uh, so he could do what he want to do, you know, and, and, you know, obviously under the guidelines of whoever the head coach is in Tampa, but you can do what you want. A defensive head coach, yeah. yeah. Bowls, yeah. So you, he's you all, he has full autonomy up there. Yeah, it's and, 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 and it's tricky because you can – with a defensive head coach, a lot of those guys are conservative because, you know, they know how big takeaways are and turnovers are. Um, now, if you're dealing with an offensive head coach, maybe your creative control may be stifled a little bit because they like to see some of the stuff that they like to see. Nobody's the same. So you can, you can get both sides. Now – it's rare that you come across that coach that just lets you do what you do. That's rare. So especially at that level and especially in college. So when you do come across a guy like that, you know, you, you really appreciate it because everybody know in the coach profession know how, how rare that is. But at the end of the day, you know, he don't have to recruit. He can spend more time with his family. He can actually go out and get some ice cream with his wife every now and then now. So that'll be good. Yeah. And it's just he gets weird to actually to coach football. <laughs> I no think doubt. that's the key, man. No doubt. It's just weird to me that, like y'all said, that you could tell that he had kind of been instructed to speed it up there towards the end of the season. And y'all already kind of alluded to it. Just the the fact that him being as young as he is, and up and coming, and such a hot coach, it's not like he's you know Vince Lombardi three yards in the cloud of dust or you know Packers sweet. So to be such a young guy, it's still it's still just a little shocking to say that he would have to be told or kind of nudged to do that. And, and like you kind of brought out, Jalen, kind of setting his ways to where he doesn't want to. But yet you're only like 36, 37 years old or whatever. And, and yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I, I just think it, it all depends on how you were brought up in the profession, too. Like, you know, some guys played in that type of system. They GA'd in that type of system. They coached under guys in that type of system. And, and truth be told, um, Sean McVay with the Rams, they move faster than Kentucky on offense. Right. He'll he'll throw in some tempo. He'll he'll you know sugar huddle, motor huddle, whatever you want to call it, break the huddle fast and out the ball. Uh, so they'll, they'll play with different tempos. But you know, and and it's weird because Kentucky played with a lot more tempo Liam's first time around. Um, with Levis in 21. They played – now, they weren't super fast, but they sprinkled in tempo here and there um, and was able to change speeds. But, you know, like I said, it, it's – you know, some coaches just – I know coaches who are close to my style who like that – my age who like that style. Maybe actually a year – I got a friend who liked that style, who, you know, and they like the methodical, mm-hmm. you know, run the ball. And that that style works. However, I think you have to be a little bit more. Um, what's the word? You got to, you got to, you know, it's like throwing a football. The less air you throw the ball with, the less time your receiver have to adjust downfield. It's the same thing coaching, right? The slower you are, the more perfect you have to be in everything else because defenses be able to get a, a, a real, you know, grasp. They can catch a rhythm. And, and now you're calling stuff at the line. A lot of times you're making checks and they eventually catch on to the lingo as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and they're easy. It's easier to line up to your formations when you're moving slow. So, um, you know, again, that style works. However, uh, I think we're living in a day and age now where, you know, you don't always have to be Tennessee speed. You can slow it down and you can switch it up, but you know, you gotta be able to, you know, make it exciting, you know, for people. And, um, you know, I, I just remember during those games seeing some of the fans complain about it. You know, and I, I would every now and then click on that fan page, and and that fan, no disrespect, is probably, you know, a lot older than you know some of us put together. So it, <laughs> that that that's it. That says a lot, man. You know that that really does. So you know, you got to bring an exciting style. Uh, your players got to love, you know, playing in the offense. That's always the goal. They got to have fun in it. And you know, sometimes you know, at times I, I'm not I'm not sure if that was the case. And having said that, now I mean, you look at Chris Paul, Hall of Famer, you know, what late 30s now, but he's your classic point guard. I, I walked the ball up, I jogged the ball up, 
I call a play. I said he's not the warp speed shooting under six seconds possession, 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 analytics, get a three or late. He's not that type. So I and I guess you know Cohen is is like you said, is more methodical, even though he is younger. So that that does exist. You know? Yeah, it, it definitely exists. And mm-hmm. like I said, it, you you could do whatever you want to do. I mean, look at basketball, look at football. You can run whatever style you want to run, and they can be successful uh, as long as you do it well. You know, but I do think there's, you know, something to say about, you know, you got teams like Missouri who uh, they can be considered pro style, but they play with a lot more flash. They play with a lot more speed, uh, a lot more tempo change. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, Aaron, before we started, you know, they, they keep things kind of close to the vest. But, you know, Tommy Reese just got hired. Yeah. Who are some of the other names that might be on the radar that we you know, think they may yeah. have? I, I think that the only t- – again, like you said, they, they are very good at keeping these coaching searches pretty close to the vest until, you know, kind of – maybe the day before it kind of smoke kind of comes out. I mean, we just saw it with the, uh, the Kel shorts hire at wide receiver coach. There wasn't much going on there. And then a day or two before the news broke, everyone kind of picked up on it. Uh, Eric Wolford was a different situation because Zach Yenzer was under contract and no one knew they just extended his contract and no one knew, you know, they were looking for an offensive line coach. So, you know, I'll take that one out of it, but even going back to when they first hired Liam Cohen and then, hired Rich Scangarillo. But, um, you know, with this one, I, I think the two only two names that – I mean, Tommy Reese was the one I, I that stood out early. He just – you know, with that – I don't know if that official announcement with the Browns rules him out, but I can't – you know, who knows. I, I, I At this point, I'm not, I'm not seeing that one happening. Uh, I thought it was a, a higher possibility earlier in the process. And then – so the two I'm looking at are Buster Faulkner, the offense coordinator at Georgia Tech who in his first year down there, first of all, he was at Georgia for a while. And um, I forgot what his role was on staff, but he was with Brock Vandegrift as a quality co- uh, quality control from uh, 2020 to 22. He was an OC at, at Southern Miss, Arkansas State. And then at, this year at Georgia Tech, they went from 11 in the ACC to third. And they had a really good year offensively and did some really cool stuff there in the quick game. Uh, definitely used to some tempo but it was more so you know they check they wouldn't huddle as much but they go and check at the line uh, with the coaches on the sidelines so you know definitely faster pace than what kentucky ran um a lot of quarterback run there was haynes king who had a really good year so that that's one of them and then the other one is kind of just came on the radar tonight and i know he was a candidate i think uh the first time they hired liam uh which is bush hadman uh hammond the uh, offense coordinator at boise state he was um, just followed apparently recently on on Twitter by both Cutter Bowley and um, Vince Merrill. So maybe that means something. Maybe that means absolutely nothing. But you never know there. But he's been a candidate before. That's why it kind of adds up a little bit. Um, he was the offense coordinator at Washington from 18 to 19, called plays there. Um, played at Boise State for a couple of years. So he's under that, um, that tree there with um, Coach Patterson. Is it Patterson or Peterson? Peter, Peterson. Peterson, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been a long day. Uh, Chris Peterson, obviously, who was highly successful at Boise State and at, and at UW. And um, actually, he was at Missouri. He was the wide receivers coach and quarterbacks coach and then the quarterbacks coach in 22. And there were some – if you remember when Kentucky went to play Missouri, the the um, – what's the punter? Colin Goodfellow game. There was kind of some chatter that Eli Drinkwitz had given up play calling duty and gave it to, to Ham, Hamden. And, um, you know, obviously they ended up hiring an offensive coordinator for this past season that called plays and did a fantastic job for them. Uh, His name is slipping my mind, but uh, Kirby Moore, who happened to come from Fresno State, so another West Coast guy uh, who played at Boise State right after Haydman was there. So, um, you know, he could be an option. We'll see. But again, they're really good at keeping these um, keeping these coaches searches pretty close to the vest and. uh, but at the same time, man, you know, there is some more time to be a little bit deliberate. Like last time Liam left, it was what? The Super Bowl had ended. Kevin O'Connell gets hired by the Vikings, and then Liam left a couple days after that. Yeah. This time 
so you had like two weeks. You had to put. They literally pushed spring football back to have practice, uh, to have practice for the OC. This time you have time before spring ball to get this higher and have a little more time to be, you know, deliberate in the process. But it, you don't have that much time because uh, you know twenty twenty five recruiting. You know you're you're in the heat of that now. Um, obviously, want to get these guys installed. Want to get guys happy and build relationships. So. But I think Mark Stoops knows, man, you know, this is the fifth straight year. We're going through a, co- a coordinator change. Not all his faults, but he's got to find something that's going to stick, is going to make the players happy, going to make the fans happy. And um, there is a little bit of time. There is some time to make the a more calculated decision, but uh, I'm kind of surprised we haven't had that heat up yet. So that must mean uh, – it's taken a little longer. I, I I thought it was going to heat up kind of like Monday or Tuesday of this week, and it mm-hmm. hasn't really heated up yet. Mm-mm. Interesting stuff. So yeah, we shall see. And- yeah, and I really like Faulkner. If they pulled that off, I think that would be one that would really excite people because he is he is a college. As Jalen said, he's more collegey. Uh, is he? I mean, he's not. They're not going to go run spread like Tennessee, but they're, you know, they'll move a little bit at a faster pace. They're not going to huddle as much. And again, I mean, Georgia tech did a really good, they, I mean, they gave Georgia hell this past year. Right. Um, so they did some really good things. I know the ACC is a little weak, but uh, he has, so, so, he has a lot of ties to the state of Georgia from a recruiting standpoint and having been with the Bulldogs for four, four years combined and his two stints there. So Guy Kirby Smart has a lot of trust in. Obviously, they were together at Valdosta State, also. So, we'll see. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Um, is that everything for football? Is that the yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a pretty. Other than that, it's just a recruiting time for twenty twenty five, and it you know it's a real real early in that process, but. Um, again, man, spring ball is now what like, almost exactly a month away here. So I, mean, I was just about to ask when was spring ball starting. Yeah, it, it should usually usually it's the first or second week of March. So we're we're at, right around a month out, whether it's a little more or a little less than a month out. So not to, not having an offense coordinator stings, but you know they were able to get a four star wide receiver commit on Saturday, and there's not an offensive coordinator lined up. So yeah. Vince Marrow still still holding down the fort on the trail. Um, at least that's going well. And now we'll see uh we'll see what happens. Yeah. Who keeps up with who follows who on Twitter? Who who notifies? I mean uh, it was on our message board, or else I would have had no clue. And then like, yeah, I would have had no clue. Okay. And yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. like you said, it might be something, it might be nothing, but I just wonder who even in this day and age, man, it seems to mean something. I mean, yeah. I, when it comes to the transfer portal, I remember last year when people were like, oh, Devin Leary. I'm like, Devin Leary is like the top-ranked guy. I would think he's going to um, uh, he's going to use um, – what's the word I'm looking for? I, I don't even know. Uh, oh, I thought he was going to go to Auburn or somewhere else, and then I saw mm-hmm. he's following all of UK's roster. I was like, oh, yeah. Man, yeah. maybe this is happening. So, yeah. again, it, it may mean something. It may mean nothing. Yeah, guys that follow certain people or take all of their stuff down or unfollow is this carries a little more weight than you think sometimes. Yeah, one way to it. <laughs> yeah, who knows, man? And uh, again, hopefully, we'll have something about this in the next. Uh, hopefully, in the next week at the at max. I would hope by the end of this week, but at, at this rate, the way it's going, I don't. I don't think it'll be the end of this week. Yeah, I, I wish I could be like a fly on the wall. I mean, oh. we, we, we know that they are having uh, throwing sessions, you know, that are player-led. That uh, Liam Cohen was going to. I guess he had his iPad watching Bucks film in between throws, but he was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm I, I'm just anxious. I'm kind of curious, and I'm excited to see the quarterback situation play out, man. I, yeah. I want to see, you know, Cutter Bowley throw it. You know, I want to see those guys throw it. I wish I could see it in person, man. And, See how that thing going, and how how um, how Vandergriff is is throwing it. I think Vandergriff was a guy that they need to run a little bit too. Um, yeah, 
to, you know, kind of open that thing up a little bit, you know, threaten the defense a little more, add a little extra element. But uh, I'm anxious to see how it go. I think, if, come to think of it, I think uh, the guy from Georgia Tech would be a great hire. Uh, I think it would be a slam dunk. I, I enjoy – even against Georgia, they play well mm-hmm. on offense. You know, so uh, I, I enjoy watching him. I think uh, he'll he'll bring an extra pizzazz to it, you know, uh, a level of, you know, kind of unpredictability, if that's a word. So we'll see. Yeah, that would be the guy for me. If I were making the decision, that would be it. I mean, you just look at the point totals they put up. I mean, their their worst games defensively were all against pretty good. Or excuse me, their worst game offensively. You know, they had a they had a stinker against. I think, yeah, their lowest total all year was twenty three, which they had a couple times. Oh, 21, but that was against Clemson, who we all know had a really good defense. So. Yeah, I mean, this was an offense that that scored points. I mean, they put 39 on Louisville. Uh, they put 30 on Wake. They put 23 in a win on Miami. They had that comeback win. They put 46 on North Carolina, who was ranked at the time, one on the road, put 23 on that Georgia defense that Kentucky can only put 13 on. So, you know, they, they had a really good year. Again, they went from uh, 11th to thir- third in that conference in, in yards per game, too. So, And Haynes King, if you remember, he was not good at Texas A&M. He looked pretty good. He turned the ball over a lot, but uh, with interceptions, but he had a really good year overall. Interesting. Yeah, like you said, it'll it'll work itself out here in the next few days, or hopefully, hopefully sooner than later for them for continuity and getting a guy in and that kind of stuff. Um, Who y'all got win the Super Bowl? You know, little. I like Kansas City, man. Yeah, I I just think they're they're kind of on a mission, man. You know, it feels like some of those Patriot teams that no people counted out, and it was the fatigue, so they all just wanted to say they were dead and all that. But nah, this Chiefs team, the way Patrick Mahomes is playing, and the the X factor now is this is their best defense in this run. Like their defense is playing lights out. Obviously, we saw what they just did to Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I like Kansas City by by at least the touchdown. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm go ahead and go with uh, San Francisco, man. I, you I know, hope so. Well, I don't know if I hope so or not. I, I, I really. This was the Super Bowl that I did not want to see, to be honest. Me either. I rather <laughs> I rather see Detroit and Baltimore, but you know, it is what it is. I I, I think it's, it just feel like the 49ers can can finally get it done this year. I think the quarterback is playing well. Obviously, you got one of the best running backs in the league. You got yep. an outstanding defense on every level. Um, you know, good receiver core, Debo Samuel healthy, who I think is one of the best football players in the NFL. Uh, I think he's underrated. I think Duke can he he just can play. Um, you know, I they just they seem to be, I mean, and they've been favored every game this year. And I think the last time that's happened was the 2017 New England Patriots. Uh so from top to bottom. I just think that they they're the better team, and I think they have enough on offense, and they have enough on defense to maybe slow Patrick Mahomes down a little bit, but can mm-hmm. still score enough points if he do. If Patrick Mahomes, you know, start doing his thing, they can mm-hmm. still score enough points because they are good enough on offense. Uh, and from a personal standpoint, I'm also excited to see what you know these two uh, good offensive coordinators cook up, man. Oh yeah. You got Andy Reid, who is a chef. Uh, and you have, you know, you got Shanahan, which all these articles coming out about how how genius he is and how smart he is. Uh, and I'm sure they got some stuff up their sleeve. And I can just watch the film and see stuff that they've been doing. And I know that they are setting things up off of some of that stuff. So I'm excited to see what happened. Um, you know, I just feel I just feel like it's going to be a, a, a big Super Bowl for whatever reason. Um, so we'll see what happens, man. I, I got the 49ers though. I think I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Chiefs, I'm gonna go Hart and Head because I can't root for the 49ers. <laughs> I, I, I'm um, with you on that. With the uh, I, yeah, I think you know, you talk about the Chiefs defense, you know, because you know, Kansas City been offensive for so many years, but I think Spags will be able to make Purdy uncomfortable. We haven't seen anybody do that, but. You know, like like Dallas should have done Jordan Love, I think Spags may do that to Purdy a little bit. Uh, it's the big stage, and Purdy's done well, and he's 
he's better than people give him credit for. You know, he's drafted with the last pick, and they want to say he's a game manager, but you know, he's done. He stepped in there and won. And for a team that's built to win now, and this team's window has been open for quite a while, and you wonder how many more opportunities are they going to get. But I think, I think Spags will have a little something, something for him just to to throw him off just enough. I'm, I'm saying Kansas City like 27, 23, something like that. Are they really going to let Taylor Swift lose? <laughs> At this point, I'm just That's, saying. Wasn't that that was? Well, you were young though. I mean, your dad might remember when the when the Giants. No, did no the Patriots won in 01. When they were like yes. with, with yeah the, the Rams game. With with you know nine eleven and everything, the Patriots had to win that you know that whole kind of thing. So yeah, there's yeah. been little questions like that before. In it, so. mm. <laughs> I don't know, great, man. I it's mean, a, it's a great business move, though. It really is a great <laughs> business move, and I don't know, man. I mean, it does seem like the officials, the flags, kind of fly KC's way a little bit. Not hey, like I'm not big on that. I'm not. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy at all. But I am. <laughs> But <laughs> hey, but let, let's be let's be honest for like thirty seconds though. Uh, obviously, you just said the flags. I mean, a blind man can see that. You know, I mean, a couple of those were passing interference against him. Oh, right. the one on on, uh, on uh, what's his OBJ man? Yeah, not only that one, but you know, uh, the one in the back of the end zone that was the pick. Ugh. The one where the tight end kind of settled and spun out of it. That was a pass interference uh, on the scramble drill. Um, and also, you know, what else is going on? I mean, you got a, a very, very good running rushing offense, and your running backs have a total of six carries. So, uh, so I, I don't know, man. I, I'm no, I'm not the greatest coach in the world, but I'm gonna do what my team is best at, and that's hand the ball off to my players that are really carrying this team. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm just tripping. You know, I mean, I, I've never seen a team in the playoffs who is at the top of the league in rushing. Were they like number three or something like that or whatever? They were uh, number number of oh, the Ravens. Yeah, they were number one, man. Yeah. Oh, oh I thought 49ers was first or whatever. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, maybe you're right. Yeah. I, yeah. But let's, say, let's, let's say number let's say number six. Okay. And you give the ball to your running backs a total of six times. <laughs> Oh man! Like, like, can anybody not look? I am a conspiracy theorist, so I don't care what nobody <laughs> think out there. Live with it. It is like, come on, like somebody please no. explain that to me. Somebody please explain that to me. Like, it don't. Mm. And then I see so many people on social media trying to rationalize it. They were saying, "Well, Kansas City wasn't wasn't going to be ready for the passing game." Who cares what Kansas City is ready for? Uh, we have a top five rushing office in the in the NFL, the National Football League, and you hand the ball out to your running back in a total of six times. One of those backs should have got 10 carries alone, just one of them. You hand it off to him six times. So that's what I'm saying. I I don't I, I never trusted the NFL as a kid. Uh so you know, to be honest with you. So I I you know, let just keep a spade a spade. I I, I just don't trust it. Like I, I mean, I can't really put a lot of trust in something that um you know we know there was three blatant pass interference calls that weren't called and you know one of these offensive coordinators who's supposed to be one of the best in the world um is the top rushing offense in the league and his running backs has total of six carries uh you know so if anybody can rationalize that to me um i would <laughs> love to hear it so dm me call <laughs> facetime i want to hear it. that's right Please. Oh. That's right. Get in Jalen's DMs. We talked about it before at different shows. So, so send him your thoughts. Please send, send me those thoughts because I, I want to learn. Y'all jump in the comments next week, too. We got comments available. We'll get your comments on the screen and whatever questions y'all have. But been another fun episode. And appreciate all the insights. And we'll be back talking Cats Gonzaga, hopeful OC hire. Super Bowl, all that stuff. Cats be heading to Auburn this time next week, looking at um, you know, some, you know, a tough venue. We just saw what they did or are doing to Alabama. So the schedule's toughening up. It's, it's you know, 
You get Vandy, you get it home, but it's going to be a lot of tough games in between now and then. So yeah, yeah, it, it really will. Their schedule is a you know it's a <laughs> it's a gauntlet, man. I mean, outside of those Vandy and Arkansas games at home, you know Alabama mm-hmm. coming in here. You said Auburn, Ole Miss, Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to, even going to LSU won't be easy. They're about 500 in the league, so um, I'm sure they'll have a great crowd that night. Going to Mississippi State, they've been winning big at home every every game. It feels like so. We'll see, man. We'll see. Big game Saturday. And we'll be here to talk about it all on Believing Kentucky for Jalen and Aaron. It's Vinny. See y'all next time. Everybody be safe. Another episode Believing Kentucky. We'll highlight y'all later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.